Hey, dickhead. I'm stuck. You know, I've been to Hawaii. Which island? I kind of like a pokey. You like a licky-dicky. I'm a kind of kinky. Want to peek a peepee? Some stranger could catch our fish. Some schmuck with his fish and my fish and your fish up on the f***ing wall. And oh, you're so horrible. <laughs> Kokrak is now a winner on the PGA Tour, but we're not talking about last week. The cut line is here to bring you the breakdown of the Zozo. Guess what? Tiger Woods is back, and we are looking at his field of 78 golfers taking on the Sherwood Golf Club. The B-E-A-U-T-I-F-L Jack Nicholas Design Private Club, that will be the host of Tiger's title defense. And the cut line is here to tear this sucker apart. We're almost through the swing season and the Masters, dare I say it, is only a few weeks away. And then we just get right back into the heart of the PGA season after the holiday break. Fun times, fun times. Oh, not really. Hello Canada, hello USA, hello Australia, hello UK, hello Belgium, Germany, Ireland, New Zealand, hello Lithuania, hello Spain, hello Indiana, how you doing? And welcome new listeners and thanks for coming back, old listeners. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. I feel better. Welcome to the cut line. I'm Michael Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter, burning the midnight oil as I look to break down the Zozo and get an edge on our ever so favorite no cut event. He falsified his research so that our DU90 could be approved and Devlin McGregor could give you. So we're going to jump right into our good, bad, and the ugly from last week. And let's get right into it. The good. Hatton. Nailed it. Kokrak. Nailed it. I'm even going to say that Jason Day was a good until the withdraw after the first hole in round four. Woke up with a sore neck, sore back. It it all is pretty fluid with Jason Day. Either way, it was a good low ownership call and Jason Day looked good. Now, the bad. The bad ended up costing me potentially some tournament wins. And that's Rory and Decky in the same lineup. Both of them blew up at certain points in round four. Took me out of the running for first place. Took me out of the running for top tenning. And as you guys know, the way I play is for that purpose alone. For that big money. So win or lose. I did end up making money this week. Unfortunately, Rory and Decky did cost me. But that that's okay. Now the ugly... There really wasn't one because I didn't touch the wolf chalk. And he obviously blew up and cost everyone a ton of scoring. 
And basically, if you didn't have Wolf, you did very well. Um, but I guess my ugly would be my one and done pick. I went with Todd, and I don't know why. I wasn't even on him in DFS. I wasn't on him in, in gambling. And then all of a sudden, boom, I, I jumped on him in terms of playing him in my one and done. I don't know what I was thinking. Either way, you know what? It happens. Now, one more good. One more good I want to add. I forgot about this. Harris English played well in round two, three, and four. Um, had him too. So um, it was a good week. It was a good week, needless to say. Now, the cut line is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the Zozo. We're going to do the best we, I, can. The ring! I can't believe you fell for the oldest trick in the book! What a goof! What's with you, man? Come on! You know what? Here, let me give it back to you. Oh! Oh, look at that! You fell for that, too! I can't believe it, man! So, Lone Star, now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. To make sure that your best lineups are coming through in your GPPs on Sunday, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that you're creating the best lineups, winning lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and scoring big. With everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line, which there is no cut line this weekend. It's our favorite type of event. Now, for me, Wednesday's always crutch time for my PGA builds, and I do go between hand building and and you know optimizer building depending on what I'm doing week in and week out. But one thing I don't change is my use of fan share sports and their ownership projections. Fan share sports is how you embrace ownership and look for leverage in PGA DFS. And guess what? I'm the guy who does the projections for Fanshare Sports. We are talking about an RSQ of over 0.9 domination. So for all you grinders out there trying to make sure that you get a leg up on the field, easy way to sign up for Fanshare. Go to fansharesports.com. In the discount option, write the word cut line and you'll get 20% off your monthly subscription. Remember, ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. And always a special thanks to PGA Tour and Fantasy National for all the key stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFS enthusiasts. They are always helping build better models for me and myself. So, Zozo, we are not overseas this time. We're going back to Cali, so the question is, what are the golfers going to be looking at this weekend? The Sherwood Country Club in Thousand Oaks, California. A Jack Nicklaus design redone in 2016, and we are looking at bent fairways, bent rough, and bent grass greens. Could potentially get some Bermuda overseed in here, but I doubt it. Either way, uh, cooler weather, water hazards and eight holes. And there are 51 bunkers in play. Typically, our tournament stint meter, we've seen at 12 and a half. That's fast green speeds. We could potentially get even faster this weekend, depending on how challenging they want to make it. And we are looking at pretty much average to larger greens at 7,200 feet. Our scoring environment, a lot of people are predicting this week that the scoring will not be super high. I agree with that sentiment. If Sherwood wants to make it really hard, they'll penalize the golfers with the rough. So follow Twitter, take a look, see how long that rough is, 
I've heard reports anywhere from two and a half to three and a half inches. If we're going on the three and a half inch side, remember this is a Jack Nicholas course. It's not going to be easy. Most Jack Nicholas courses are second shot courses. They emulate the way he plays. If you miss the fairway, sure, you could get on the green, but your chances for birdie go way down due to the fact that we are looking for pin point accuracy. Now, what makes this course so unique? Very simple. There are five par fives for the scoring. Five of them. That's very, very, very unique for the PGA Tour. In fact, at this point, I'm having a hard time thinking about any course that has five par fives on them, but we will do some research. Now, the last key element of this course is the fact that it's very short. It's very short. So one strategy you may want to use is how far golfers hit the ball. But look, tight fairways, tree-lined fairways could be penalizing. Careful what you wish for here. But again, it is a strategy that you could utilize this week to potentially get leverage to the field. So key stats that I'm looking at this week. Strokes gain approach, birdie or better, ball striking, fairways gained, green in regulation gain. Now, how am I going to differentiate from the masses? I'm going to overweight fairways gained. I think it's important to be accurate off the tee, not just gaining strokes off the tee. So remember, strokes gained off the tee means like even if you hit in the rough, you have the ability to play better than most because you're hitting it farther, putting yourself in a better pin, pin position, whatever the case may be. Long story short... I want that fairway player this week. I just think the Jack Nicklaus course is going to tailor itself to ball strikers and approach play, but I want the play that's going to be coming from the fairway, not from the rough. I think the rough is going to be a little bit more penalizing this week than we anticipate. So let's, let's break it down. Let's tear it apart. He's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this will take us to the birdie or better segment where we will take each tier golfer and break that down. Remember, there is no MG this week at no cut events. We will go over our favorite 6K plays, but again, everybody makes the cut. So we're going to start in that top tier range. And right away, I'm going to go to John Rom. Okay, looking at his recent form, it's not necessarily underwhelming, but if you look at the fact that, you know, he's first in strokes gain off the tee in the last 50 rounds, 30th in approach, and fourth in ball striking, I'm going to take the upside at John Rahm when a lot of people are going to end up going back to Xander just because of how well he played last week. Now, Xander's been on a tear. Don't get me wrong. He has. He's looked great at everything he's done. He he is playing amazing golf right now but the thing is i want john rom i think john rom has more upside here if you're going to have the highest guy at the at the highest price have such high ownership i think a decent pivot with relatively the same ownership is johnny rom in my confidence model he ranks number one that's big for me confidence model looks at vegas other qualifying stats that i utilize in order to like gauge their ranking and John Rahm's number one. There, there, there's hands down nobody close in terms of the ranking that he gets. He's he's seven points ahead of the closest guy in second place. And to me, that's just a clear sign that, like, hey, you want to take some shots on John Rahm. Now, currently, I got him number one in the confidence model, like I just mentioned. But he's sixth in my overall stat model. 
second in my scoring model, and fifth in my approach model, and fourth on the fairways model. Now you take into those account. With the fairways model, I'm looking at more like recent form, and with the scoring and approach model, I'm looking at Jack Nicholas courses only. What I want is to make sure that I narrow in and differentiate my lineups the best that I can in order to build the strongest lineups possible. A guy I want to go back to this week are JT and Roy McElroy. McElroy burned me in round four, burned a lot of people in round four that potentially could reduce ownership and suppress ownership in a way. I don't know how much. It's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out this week because you have such unique pricing. And I think DraftKings did a very good job of pricing these players out this week to make you make some really tough decisions to differentiate. Now, where you don't differentiate here, though, is at the top. Okay, so Terrell Hatton, he looked really good last week, blew it in round four. I'm not going to go back to him. I just don't think this course is really well suited for him. He does rank very high in my confidence model, does rank very high in my in my overall stat model. But just looking at just normal regression and variance, I don't know if Hatton's going to put it all together again. That's the same reason with Xander. Now with Justin Thomas and Rory, Rory and Justin Thomas rank number three and number four in my confidence model respectively in my overall model. JT ranks number seven and Rory ranks number 15. Okay. So it, it's, it's something that we need to look at as we continue, you know, pressing forward with these no cut events. It's like, where are you going to get your scoring? Where are you going to get the play from? Now, where Rory's been bad, his approach game. It's been brutal. He lost, I think, almost like four or five strokes last weekend on approach. JT, on the other hand, putting. So who would I want to be more overweight on? It would most definitely be Justin Thomas. And here's why. I think you could fix the putter faster than you can fix the flaws in a swing. So with the fact that Justin Thomas had, could just get a hot putter, turn things around, I'm going to play on the side of that, considering you see in the last 50 rounds, he's ranks number two in ball striking, number two in approach, and number one in opportunities gained. I think that's just a massive edge here to go to Justin Thomas. So that basically takes care of that upper tier range. And let's drop down to that 9K range. And this is where a lot of people are going to have, you know, basically their bread and butter. Because I think almost everyone in this 9K range is in play. From Colin Morikawa to Webb to Reed to Finout to Matt's Hovland, Matthew Wolf, even going to Tiger if you look at course history. Like these guys are all in play. The only 9K player, in fact, that I don't like is Patrick Cantlay. And the only reason is, is because of all these players, he ranks so poorly in my overall stat model. He ranks 45th, actually. And that's in part to, I guess, I guess poor recent play, but long-term, we've seen that from Cantlay in terms of him being great. The other thing that wants me to play Cantlay is the scoring model he ranks number one. So if Cantlay's ownership still stays to single digits, which I currently have it at, at about 9%, he will be in my lineups. Like, he's not a fade by any means. But right now, out of all these guys, I just like him the least. Um, looking at Kyle Morikawa, Kyle Morikawa has the definite approach game that you want for this course, for Sherwood. In my confidence model, he ranks number two. That's that. That's a great sign. Again, he was the closest to John Rahm. He's far behind him, like seven points, but that's okay. I'm still going to play him because in my overall stat model, number one, and in my scoring and approach model, top 10. Where we have concerned, of course, with Marikawa, as we always do, is, 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 the, is the putter. But recently, his issues come off the tee. He actually ranks like outside of the top 10 in strokes gain off the tee in the last 50 rounds. But if you look at him last week specifically, and it's kind of like a head-scratcher as to why he didn't finish better than 12th. And it's because, again, the same bugaboo, losing strokes, putting, 
losing strokes off the tee. If he fixes those issues, and usually a strokes gain off the tee is like for certain the best one of the best parts of his game, you're gonna see some strong game from Morikawa. Now you're not gonna get an ownership, you know, leverage at all with Morikawa. He's gonna be highly owned. Um, but where most of the chalk right now is going, based on my analysis, is to Webb Simpson. Webb's back. We know how elite Webb's game is with those irons. This is a short course, which plays right into Webb's strengths. So he doesn't have to play driver off the tee, which he doesn't normally do necessarily. But those par fives, if he's birdieing those five par fives, scoring on the par fours and the par threes, which he tends to do, he's an elite play. And that's why he's coming in at one of the highest projected on over 20% at this current point in time. Now, my favorite play in the 9K range that no one likes to play, and you look at his recent form, you look at his ability, uh, but just the fact that he is so disliked is Patrick Reed. I think Patrick Reed is an elite play, and he's coming in right now at 12% ownership. This is a guy who I would argue played his best golf last year, and he's a Masters winner. We know that. We're playing a, a, a Nicholas course, which tailors itself to his game with his approach and ball striking and if he's missing the green he's got he's got an excellent short game excellent around the green and he's an amazing putter overall stat model if you are going to measure though his deficiency and one of the things that i am weighing waiting heavily is his strokes gain off the tee read off the tee currently ranks in this field 33rd now 33rd sounds high in a normal you know 160 170 man field but this is 78 golfers this is middle of the pack so there is some concerning there with patrick reed but he's not popular he never is take the leverage here play some reed Finau is the next guy i want to go to coming off his COVID break we don't know how he's going to play but he got his four rounds to get it together he's going to be popular you know it's just par for the course with tony Finau. Uh, right now, got him at 10%. I guarantee you that number by the end of the week shoots up to like 16, 18%. It just happens with Finau that way. He's a DFS darling, even though he doesn't normally pay off. But in this field of 78, he could potentially win again. As a one for forever, but he could win for win again. In my confidence model, ranks number 20. In my overall model, ranks number 25. Finau, though, has been playing great golf in the last 50 rounds. Seventh in greens and regulation gain. Eighth in birdies are better gained. 12th in ball striking again concern off the tee he's only 58th in fairways gained 58th so with that play with that idea that fairways are going to be incredibly important you got a question if you want to go Finau. now the nice thing is a lot of these guys are going to put the driver away so i'm not too concerned about necessarily their long-term form of this because if they're hitting three wood if they're hitting iron off the tee they're going to be in the fairway more than likely Next guy I'm going back to, and I can't believe I'm doing it after he burned me so bad last week, is Decky. Um, I just think his game right now is dialed in minus the round here or there where he just can't put it together. <clears throat> um, we're off Bermuda, so he, he, he shouldn't struggle as much putting. But you look at last week, even struggling with like that double bogey, which kind of put me out of contention for top 10. He lost 2.1 strokes putting. Now, that's the thing you have to deal with, Hideki Matsuyama. He's a terrible putter, but if the putter gets hot, gets hot for four rounds, this guy could easily win the tournament. So the, the other three I want to mention, and I'm going to just mention briefly, is Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, and Tiger Woods. I don't think Wolf is a pivot. I think everyone's going to talk about let's go back to Wolf, and everyone who listens to any podcast is going to say, okay, let's play Matthew Wolf. So if you want to fade Wolf, I get it right he, he played terrible last week but it's highly unlikely we get that type of play again i mean he was done after round one tiger woods are looking at course history 
Okay, but is that the old tiger that we're, we're hoping to get? Or is it the new tiger that sprays it off the tee? That's putter is questionable and suspect at best. And we've seen it year in and year out. He's not playing a lot of golf. I think that's a huge major issue in his ability to stay sharp. So we're headed down to the 8K range. And I'm going right back to Harris English. At the beginning of round four last weekend, I needed Harris English to have a round. And man, he started on fire. He really did. In fact, Harris, Harris English in round four gained 2.92 strokes total and 0.17 strokes tee to green. Where he struggled, where he struggled was around the green with 0.93. Now, he was super hot with the putter. So is that going to continue? I hope so. I hope that we can continue with that hot putter. We'll see, right? Uh, the putter is so fickle and finicky. I, I'm not quite sure where... You know, he is going to finish with that. But the nice thing in with Harris English on bent greens, probably his best putting surface, that and Bermuda. There could be some Bermuda sprinkled in with overseed. 10th place at the CJ Cup, 4th place at the U.S. Open. Did miss the cut at the Shriners. I'm okay with that because he finished 12th at the Tour Championship. Harris English is in play for me. And until we see this form, like, go way south, he's going to continue to be a positive option in any lineup I construct. Um Going forward, Tommy Fleetwood, all right, he, he's really an enigma right now. Played so well overseas and now comes back stateside and is just playing brutal. You look at the strokes gained on tour, he hasn't played that well. In fact, he ranks barely top 30 in my confidence model, in my aggregate model, barely top 50, and near dead last in my overall stat model just because of how bad he's played since returning from the break. And the thing is, Tommy Fleetwood, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to play that well statistically in my overall stat model but looking at the approach and the scoring which is based on jack nicholas courses he does seem to be dialed in here in fact he has success in jack nicholas types of events i'm gonna go down to scotty scheffler i'm gonna go back to the guy who's been playing golf and i'm going back to the guy sung jm i'm going back to both these guys sung jay playing a shorter course he's gonna be in the fairway he's hopefully gonna have short irons to hit the approach um hopefully the putter gets hot overall stat model ranks number four so my $8,000 player ranks number four in the stat model. He's most definitely in play. Ranks top 20 in my confidence model and top 10 in my aggregate model. So I like Sung JM here. Now in the last 50 rounds, these numbers are a little bit skewed because he came out of the break looking pretty bad. So 47th in approach, 32nd in ball striking, 37th in opportunities gained. A lot of players are going to look at that data and say, uh, no Sung Jae, no Sung Jae, no thank you. But the fact is he's looked good. He's looked better. And this is a type of course that I think suits him more than say like the the long bombing difficult course it, it just since the comeback he hasn't done well there he hasn't done well in that style so hopefully sung jay can put things together looking at him specifically last weekend he gained strokes t to green 1.89 in the final round he was plus three strokes in approach and the putter got hot and he finished in 45th, he finished minus 5. So I feel that he figured something out in round 4. I'm going to play that narrative. I'm going to stick with it. All right, now the 7K range to me is like really a dead zone. The only guy I really have a lot of confidence in is Adam Scott. And that's just because I think he's going to come in at suppressed ownership, and he's an elite iron player, and all you're hoping for is a hot putter. So I'm going to go straight to Adam Scott. But now... The four other golfers in this range I like are Jason Day, Paul Casey, Justin Rose, and Sebastian Munoz. Here's the thing. 
Jason Day, if you played him last weekend, you thought you were slick because the guy was top five, top ten. But then the dreaded round four withdrawal occurred with Jason Day, and some of those lineups, which were looking killer, ended up being min-cash, maybe not even cashing, simply because we didn't get the scoring that we wanted in round four. So you need to be suspect of Jason Day and his potential to withdraw again just due to injury. Uh, Justin Rose and Sebastian Munoz. I think Munoz is going to garner a lot of attention based on his finish last week. Um, Justin Rose always seems to be popular. I feel like he's going to get talked up in the industry. Potentially could have figured some stuff out last weekend, and I think that's what we're hoping for. Um, some of us in the industry feel that Justin Rose is just done. He's he's just older and can't compete at this level anymore, whatever the case may be. You look at his round four, lost 2.12 strokes putting, lost almost two strokes off the tee. Overall total, lost 4.08 strokes in that round four. Not a positive sign going into you know this weekend's tournament, but needless to say, you get round four rounds of Justin Rose. Yeah, I get it. Play that card if you want to, um, you know. And and then the last guy I'm going to mention is is Paul Casey. So when you look at Paul Casey here, it's interesting how he grades out for me. He ranks 17th in my aggregate model, 26th in my overall model. He he really kind of is in the middle of the pack in terms of course fit, and then top 25 in my confidence model. I think I am going to stick with him and play him. Um, it's just, it's Paul Casey. He lets you down every time. He's really cheap at that $7,500 out. So one of the strategies that I might utilize this weekend is just completely fading the $7,000 range and going straight down to the 6K range. I just think there's some solid plays in here. And we're looking at like Cam Champ specifically, Harry Higgs, Corey Connors, Brennan Steele, Duncan, Joel Dahman. Um, Mackenzie Hughes is going to get love this week. Obviously, I just, these are guys that in the 6K range, I feel like, are properly priced for the field, but are, are ways for you to get leverage. I do think that Joel Dahman's going to be higher owned. So watch that ownership. Um, it's not the same rule with these no-cut events that if a, if a 6K chalk guy, we don't play. That It's not the same rule here because 6K chalk isn't, I mean, as we saw with Kokrak last week, it was in the low 7Ks. He, he won the tournament. So there are plenty of options here. Again, I'm not going to go with any of the foreign players that are coming from overseas. They just don't really fit the mold. Like, I know we've seen Jazz play over here before, but no thank no thank you. A guy I think that does kind of pique my interest, though, here that's not going to grade out well, really, is like someone like Andrew Landry, if you're going to go down to that 6,200 range. The thing is, though, like, he's not... Like, you just need so many things to go right because traditionally not a scorer, not not the best putter, not the best driver. You know, that's why he's $6,200. But, you know, I think any player in this field could win. And at $6,200, you know, less than 1% ownership for, for a player who, you know, last uh, – did he play last week? That's a great question. I didn't even look and see that. He did play last week, but he was brutal in round four. Finished plus five on the tournament, plus three on the day. So, like, he was terrible in round round uh, round four, and then round three, same deal. So he's not playing his best golf, but if you look at him at, like, the low 6,200, he's an option as well. I do like Corey Connors. I think he kind of fits this course. He works, works great in my aggregate model, top 30 in my confidence model, um, top 20 in my overall model. 
Again, you're dealing with some of the intangibles that are not as strong as our top golfers with scoring, putting, around the green game, all that other stuff. I think a lot of people are going to go to Streelman. Um, he's a name that's been popular recently. And, of course, you can go to Benny on if you want to play that game. I'm not into it. Um, Adam Hadwin, Mr. Canada himself, you can go that route. Mark Leishman, a lot of people are going to go there. People are even going to go Kuchar just because of his pedigree. And the fact is, though, Kuchar's not the same player this year without his caddy. And that's kind of like looking at that 6K range in a nutshell. Um, the one player I didn't mention, though, and that's Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, for the first time that I can ever remember, is under $7,000. Will this continue? I don't know. He needs to keep playing terrible golf for it to continue. First of all, doesn't fit the course, right? Doesn't fit the course. But what you're just hoping for is for the scoring and the hot putter and that he doesn't make mistakes in any round because he's not going to be penalized necessarily in DraftKings scoring like he is on a tournament. So like a triple bogey, yeah, that could drop him, you know, 20 positions from wherever he's at. But in DraftKings scoring, that's nothing. All right, we want the birdies. There are four rounds of Jordan Spieth. I highly recommend playing him. You don't need much to get leverage to the field. Um, once that number starts creeping up, though, like 12, 14, 15%, that's when I'll get a little bit of suspect on playing Jordan Spieth. Let's, that's the breakdown. Who are we not going to play is the next question. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. So this is the Cutline Signature segment. Can't do it. Won't do it. And this is going to be short and sweet, boys. This is the players who are double-digit ownership that we cannot play. And right now I'm sitting on one for sure, maybe two. And the first one is X. I don't want pieces of Xander this weekend, especially if he's going to be near 20%. Ownership numbers are early, and I am looking at a very high 19, 20%, and that could change as this week proceeds. But if it stays that high, I'm not playing that much for, Z- for Xander Shoffley. Okay, I'm, I'm just not. The other option that I'm considering a fading, and again, this is going to be an ownership leverage type play, and that's Neiman. Neiman right now, we are looking at ownership of about 17%. If that changes and gets any higher, it's going to be a fade for me just because he's just going to be too popular. And I understand that you have to eat chalk at times, but I'd rather eat chalk with like John Rahm, Rory, JT, Morikawa, Webb Simpson, Reed, all those guys, Matsuyama, the guys I mentioned, and diversify my lineups by fading a certain range or looking at my builds and and stressing a certain stat. To, to correlate and hopefully get the, the nuts in that correlation, right? Because there's just so much variance, so much randomness in golf. And, and I don't want Neiman's game to be a hindrance in my lineup when he's going to be that chalky. So we'll see how he ends up playing. That It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, this whole weekend is going to be interesting. Never being here at Sherwood before. I'm excited. Get to watch it on PGA Tour Live. You guys got to get that. You have to get that. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. All right, so that's it. It's over. It's all over. That's a wrap for the Zozo. Join us next week as the cut line breaks down the Bermuda Championship. 
Ooh, PJ Golf. Want to say thank you for you, the listener, spending time with us. Want to thank Fanshare Sports for their ownership projections. Look, do your homework. Get your work in. Build better lineups. I'm Michael Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter. This is the cut line. Give us a like, give us a follow on iTunes. Build your best lineups this weekend. Go and get them. <laughs>